I was going through this something called stroke of insight that you mentioned somewhere by Jill. Can, can you elaborate on that? Gladly. Um, all my students will, 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 will have heard me say in every class, please do me, please gift me a favor. And that is please watch an 18-minute TED Talk called My Stroke of Insight. It's very short. It's about a neuroanatomist who is trying to look at all the different sections of our physical mind, physical brain, and help map them out. She had a stroke. I'm not giving the plot away. You know this really early on. And in her stroke, she realizes that her left distinctly human person uh, frame, her left distinctly human hemisphere of her brain, mm-hmm. a different personality than the right hemisphere of her brain. And where we live in a world where the left hemisphere is what really where we've lived to problem solve analytically, rationally, sequentially, um, to plan a life and to, and, to, and to give out all sorts of rewards and succeed in this world. The right hemisphere is living in, we are all one, we are all connected. And it's such a fascinating 18 minute TED talk where she's for the first time in her life maybe going, oh my God, because of the stroke, my left hemisphere was hardly working. My right hemisphere took over. That was such an amazing moment. I could have stayed there forever, but then my left hemisphere would come back in and go, come back, come back. You've had a stroke. We need to fix the situation. But it's, it's 18 minutes. And again, even on a physical brain level with a, with, a, with a solid brain scientist, having her lived experience of living in not only her left hemisphere, which was her norm, but her right hemisphere, um, is just shocking and telling. And I think for most people, when they're trying to understand transpersonal or the mystical dimension of our minds, she gives a great example, a lived experience of how to even, if you've never had those moments, at least to get a sense of what's possible. Right. Uh, it's so moving. And she's such a solid scientist. Um, and it's so moving. It, 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 it moves my body and my mind every time I watch it. And I probably watch it once a month just to let my mind go. There's a right hemisphere. Have you been paying enough attention to that half of the distinctly human brain as well? Because we live in a world where most people don't even understand why the right hemisphere is there. Then the world we're living in seems to be only the qualities of the left hemisphere. But imagine working out and only working out your right leg all the time and never your left leg. You would have a hard time walking. Because mm-hmm. it would be out of balance. So the fact that we are working out our left hemisphere all the time and hardly ever, ever, ever working out our right hemisphere comes back to the word balance again, which is we are imbalanced in how we are using the distinctly parts of our brain and especially the two that have created that make us into a unique form of mammal. And then we need to understand that. And even that is saying that mystical, spiritual transpersonal moments are as important as very logical, analytical ways of problem solving also. Mm -hmm. It's worth the 18 minutes, my stroke of insight. Yeah, I'll definitely watch it. That's really interesting what you just explained. Okay, let's, um, I was, while you were speaking, I was reminded of this movie called Lucy. Have you mm. seen Lucy? I love. I don't love the violence in Lucy, but I love the fact that they did a pretty good 
portrayal of what happens as we use more and more of our brain. Yes. Yes. I loved that movie so much. Very much felt like as if somebody has really experimented on someone and really got this result. I mean, it was so accurate. It was so accurate. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? It must have happened. Somebody must have done it. What do you think about it? I love that question. Also, um, I'm going to go back for a moment. Do, do you know who Ram, who Ram Das was before he passed? Yeah, I know about Ram Das, but wh- who he was before becoming Ram Das, I don't know that. Back in the day, he was a, a, a psychology professor at Harvard University. Wow. And a medical doctor, Richard Leary, who taught there, both of them, got thrown out of Harvard University because they were trying to use mind-expanding drugs going back to the 1960s and 70s with students. And it's really hard for a college to kind of go back to parental units in the 60s and 70s saying, your student is on LSD or ayahuasca as part of academic training. So they (laughs) literally... Stop doing that. And then President Nixon back in the day in our country made all those drugs the most severe designation of these drugs you should never, ever do because you're just going to kill yourself and thwart your mind and do all things that are awful. Mm-hmm. Ram Das back in the day went to Asia, found an amazing guru who he were a couple gurus who he worked with for much of his life. Um, one of the stories he tells, and back in the day, I, I, I saw him and met him a few times just because I, w- I was of that age. And he was our leader in this country trying to bring in Eastern perspectives on health and healing and, mind- and mindfulness and meditation and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. His one story was he was talking into, through a lar- to a large crowd of, of humans, many of whom were in their teens and 20s. And there was one woman sitting in the front that was dressed like a 70-year-old grandmother. And as he was talking to this large crowd that was all with him, he kept going back to her face and wondering, what's she doing here? She's so unlike any person that I've ever seen in a group before. So afterwards, and he was talking about what he did with drugs to have mind-altering experiences. This woman came up afterwards, and whether Ram Das willed her up there, with which I believe is possible with, with energy, she came up and said to him, I'm so glad you're talking about this stuff. I know just what you're talking about. And Ram Das was besides himself going, how do you know this? And she said, (laughs) I crochet. And Uh by crocheting, I put my mind in a space that everything you're talking about with drugs, I've had those same experiences. And when I say that in class, the students are all laughing going, she crocheted? But the question is, if you're walking a labyrinth, if you're crocheting, if you're mm-hmm. sitting out in, 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 in nature, you never know what's going to have the left and right hemisphere have a mystical moment, have a sacred moment. Where it's all in our right hemisphere, waiting to go, knock, knock, please come in and listen to me and learn from me and make me part of what you're doing. But imagine yeah. it going, I get this from crocheting. So I think a lot of people think you need to have a, a, a shocking experience and, and the only way is with drugs. But I think with hypnosis, that happens. I know of psychosynthesis, our basic technique is guided imagery. And what we can do with guided imagery, most humans, when, we, when, they, when they try seeing us as either teachers or therapists or coaches, they, they almost always go, I didn't think this was ever possible. But the power of guided imagery is almost like 
hypnosis or 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 mind expanding drugs, but instead of the client or the human being with drugs not knowing where the medicine, where the drugs are going to take them, or hypnosis not knowing where the hip 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 person performing the hypnosis is going to take them, with with guided imagery, you and a trained guide are going on a journey together and understanding the depth of where you're going and whether you want to go to a heightened place like see a light and see the wisdom coming out of the light. What do you want to ask your wise inner being? Which is, which is, I'm amazed how many students come away from that kind of going, I never knew I had a wise inner being. And the depth and the reality with which I just had this experience was amazing. Or when someone has trauma and someone's past in their lives, well, let's go back and talk to that person right now and finish up that conversation and the fear you had there. But I think it's the other technique that is hardly known about even though in my own mind, it may be the most important secretive technique for bringing the depth and the spirit connected to that than we have as humans. And somehow that is not as public as it needs to be. And when working with children, as you would imagine, they will so connect with that also. With what? With having a, a longing for going, just close your eyes, young child. See a light in front of you. Mm -hmm. a sweet face in that light. That sweet face is your own inner wisdom. Let's have you meet with and chat with your own inner wisdom and doing that for a couple of weeks in a row where they begin to understand that they do have a sense of inner wisdom and they can talk with that space with that being whenever they want to um, mm -hmm. to help balance the culture they're growing up in. But it's, 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 it's a complement to um, all the anxiety and fear and anger that people tend to live with um, mm -hmm. and just having another inner narrative that connects with that. That's their spiritual self. That's their mystical self. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, in children, I do believe that would work absolutely because they are already connected to the divine in ways because they have not been contaminated by a lot of, cultural, educational, and stuff that we put in there, that humans put in there, them. So, but if we talk about adults, I would say that with my experience in spirituality, I used to think initially that, you know, that is how it would work. But as I went further up, I realized that mind is extremely powerful and the fact that most of the eastern mystics have placed a lot of importance on controlling the mind it is because that as and when we go up in the uh, realm of consciousness and the levels of consciousness the more and more we expand we need to become more sensitive to understanding what is coming from the mind and what is coming from the inner essence or the soul. Mm -hmm. And it's because the mind is very strong. Sometimes we think that this is what my soul is telling me, but it is actually what your mind is telling you. And sometimes what your soul is telling you, you think, you know, the other way around. So mm -hmm. it, it, it requires a lot of practice and also, as I have concluded it after uh, so much of practice that I made it very simple, actually. In all the matters of the world, you know, wherever 
we are dealing with the worldly stuff in our work, in our companies or whatever, we just tend, we should just use more of the logical, analytical perspective using the facts, using the statistics at hand, using the data at hand, and then taking the decisions using our mind. But in the matters of heart, in relationships, um, I concluded that we should be using more of the soul, more of the inner voice. Uh, of course, when the matter is not related to any of these, then we have to use our sense of wisdom. But this was the best conclusion that I could reach on to. Also, because the the more experiences of the consciousness that a person gets, the more he realizes that the expansion of the consciousness puts you in a place where you get experiences that are beyond the imagination of your mind. Like even if you would sit for a hundred years and imagine the, you know, whatever you can imagine, okay, this is what this is what I want to see inside of me. This is what is there, whatever visualization, imagination we can do. But the actual experience of the inner worlds that a soul experiences when the consciousness expands is so beautiful and it is somewhere beyond the imagination. So there comes a point where the mind stops playing the role once the consciousness keeps on expanding and expanding and expanding. So just two days ago, one of my friends was um, talking about the drugs, LSD and all. You know, he was saying that he wanted to have an experience, although he doesn't do drugs, but he wanted to have an experience and stuff. So what you just mentioned right now about the same before I should ask you, have you ever done LSD? I have. I'm a child of the 60s. Um, grew up back in when I went to college. Um, was a conservative kid throughout high school. Went to college. Vietnam War was going on in this part of the world. Um, and in Vietnam also. But as, as young kids here, it was kind of like, what are we doing over there? And then um, drugs were everywhere late 1960s and early 1970s on college campuses um and that i would say probably 60 to 80 percent of anybody in college back in those days tried something if not many things because it was just the way we all bonded together our dream was can we create a world where we would be less stressful we can open our mind to things that we've not even thought about or heard about or believe were possible and once people see that we have a, 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 a cultural mind that we share together with everybody else. And that's just one possible way of, of, of nourishing your mind. And there's so many other dimensions and ways where your mind can be. It's hard to ever let those powerful experiences go away, even right. if I'm at our drugs for a long, long time. But the, 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 my mind opening up back into my 20s and early 30s in a way going, wow, none of this is being talked about. I've had this lived moment. I'm not going to doubt my lived moment. Um, mm -hmm. Some of it was very sweet. Some of it was very, very scary. But nonetheless, it's nothing that anybody else in this culture besides the, my friends and other kids back in the day were doing. Why is this not even being looked at? Um, 
So yeah. I did. So, would you, would you like to I, share one one of the sweet experiences? Gladly. Let me think for one second where I want to go with that one also. I just want to finish up one piece and then I'll go right there. In, okay. in, in my country, in the United States, I think the trick is for many humans, what you're saying about the five levels and the soul makes so much sense. What, mm -hmm. what, what I realize with students is what, what's, what's the beginning hello to open, opening them up to the possibility of all this. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's not, it's not the, the, the fourth and fifth <laughs> dimension or level. Cause that's way, way beyond, you know, just explaining that your soul takes over and the mind is kind of given up trying to rule any longer because it realizes it's just coping mechanisms or defense strategies. So the question for me has always been, how do I begin to get a, people to understand that there's more than just the socialization process that they've all grown up with. And I just want to go back to guided imagery, in imagery one more time. I understand, but by saying to someone, I'm just going to take a minute and do this and then be quiet. Close your eyes for a second. Take a few deep breaths. See a very safe candle lit in front of you. And you know the warmth and the color of the candle. See the sweetest face you've ever seen in that candle. Let's make that sweetest face into your inner wisdom. You may not be aware of your inner wisdom, but it's time to realize that there is something internally that you've gotten from birth that needs to be part of who you are in the future. Look at that face. How do you feel in front of that face? How else do you feel? How else do you feel? Now for a moment, become that inner wisdom looking at you. Take a moment and shift. Disidentify from your sense of you. Identify with your sense of your internal wisdom. Look at yourself. What do you see? How do you feel about you? How else do you feel about you? From your internal wisdom, what do you really need to be doing right now in your life? And then come back and write about that and have the discussion going on that how many people are able to go, wow, I went to a place I'd never been before. So if they can move from their normal way of consciousness into another moment doing something like that, which is totally legal with no drugs, with no anything whatsoever, at least in my mind, that may be effective for bringing and has been effective for bringing a lot of people into the experiential world of mystical transpersonal with it in trying to make it more normative. So I just wanted to finish that piece up before moving into okay, your two, two questions here. Um, so, so the first thing is we are using the mind in this exercise, right? Yes. Because we are using imagination here. Uh, yes. Second thing is that um, when you say um, imagine a face, a sweet face, so can it be anybody else's face or can it be like, it should be like our own face or like, what is it? If I was doing this, Completely, I'd go, it could be somebody you've never known before. It could be just a vibration or a color. It could be a sound. It could be somebody you know from your family. It's probably not going to be your face because I'd like to separate your personality from your inner wisdom so that, that, that uh, you know, you're, 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 that, that there is a, a shifting there for at least for now. Um, it could be somebody from history, from literature, but I want it to be somebody that you totally admire and you're, you're proud of, of their goodness and their compassion. And again, it's just a hello. It's, just, it's nothing more than a hello, but okay. get, go, wow, you know what? This is possible. How do I get more of this is mm -hmm. all that I'm looking for at that moment. Okay. So I would, I would say that the, this exercise is wonderful, 
पर आई वुड पर्सनली नॉट डू दिस एक्सरसाइज ऑन अ डेली बेसिस और मे बी just tilt a little bit if i want to do it on a daily basis in the sense that when you said that you can imagine a color or sound or something that works for me because when we uh, now when i look back um, on my journey you know on my spiritual journey i realized that when we imagine human faces it's basically the mind completely can take over there really we think that the mind is not but it does take over uh so when you were talking about this exercise i did realize one thing that if you're specifically doing it every single day uh maybe not use a human image because it will eventually lead a person towards the mind making it um more dominant there but because our purpose here is to awaken the inner essence to make the person realize the inner essence so it is important that we make the soul go in that direction and therefore um awakening that part and not using the um human image maybe just the sound maybe the light only so that would work for me and again what you're saying makes so much sense i will try that in the future because i love what you're saying the process of and we're going to agree agree on this also the that uh, the process of once someone realizes that there is a part inside of them that is essential that is soul that's got to be step number 1 and yeah. step number 2 is the, is the harder part of the journey probably which is seeing all the ways that the clever mind can jump in there and have the human being misinterpret the information that's coming from them as opposed to the soul and how how that's the larger part of the work really mhm mm mhm we were talking about something when you said that i want to do this we kind of drugs drugs right right you were going to share one of your experiences sweet experiences with lsd or any drugs that you did um so the sweet ones were a matter of uh, for, for me back in the the hard stuff there, there was no microdosing whatsoever so once something was popped it was 10 to 12 hours before the mind got back to its normal way of being which is a very long time it's not a long time if you're walking outside and looking at a tree and seeing movement inside of the tree it's not a lot of time when you're looking at your hand and going well look at that instead of just looking at what seems like a dead piece of 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 hand looking at all the connections and movement and 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 circulation and pulsing happening there and that part was totally amazing it was totally sweet when there was a sweet moment having with another person how alive and vivid that was the colors were different the sounds were different the feeling was more intense and as sweet as all that was and did a great job of going wow this is just a little chemi chemical difference from where i'm normally living when it went the other way it was horrible i mean having 10 hours of going i'm stuck in an angry feeling or why isn't this working out or what can i do and back in the day no one knew what to do so it was just a matter of bearing out hours and hours and hours of going how do i somehow sweeten what's going on we tended to learn back in the days that if you would limit the sound and and make everything calmer and not so much light and not so much sound and just have less stuff going on and one piece of safe touch with someone being there with you 
chatting with you and at least having an, a, a witness would be great. But these days, what they're doing both at Harvard and, and Johns Hopkins in DC and NYU in New York is they're literally doing research where they're giving people microdoses or major doses of different mind-altering drugs and having a nurse and a, and, a, and, a, and a therapist there at the same time. And then they chat with them afterwards and they have a second session weeks or months later and a third session weeks or months later. But it's organized with a, a nurse and a, and, a, and a psychologist or a therapist there. Um, and then there's someone that can help them work out what's going on there for each of these three sec sessions. Um, and I think that that will be part of the world of healing in the next 20 years. That'll be as normal as um, hypnosis or anything else. I think that's to some extent where the field is going to be heading. Mm -hmm. um, and we've learned yeah, a lot. Do you think it's, it's going to be really addictive for many people then? The way that they're doing it at the universities is just three times. Okay. Just three times. Do I think people are going to do it again and again and again and again? Yes. Um, the, the, the silly thing with that is, and I know many students that have gone to South or Central America and said, I did ayahuasca and now I'm coming back. And I'll go, can we talk about this in a month? Not right now. And a month later, they kind of go, well, I had this big hit of doing something differently when I was there. And now a month later, I've lost it all. Because I don't think it's a way of sustaining that moment and that depth without having a, psych a, a psychologist and a nurse work with you. To, okay, what does this now say about the limitations of your mind? Your mind has shifted a little bit, but going back to the image of now that your mind has shifted, how do we somehow ha help you differentiate these moments by bringing in more soul there, more spirituality there, more mysticism there, so that if you begin to see and begin to understand the difference between the mind being clever and the soul being so powerful. You know, I would, um, I would really, um, when it comes to using drugs for healing purposes, for medicinal purposes, fine. But um, using otherwise, of course, it is, of course, addictive because people, anybody would want to use it again for having that wonderful experience that they had. I would personally um, go the meditation way because the meditation, uh, the more the consciousness expands, it gives you similar experiences actually. And a very positive thing about it is that a person doesn't lose his awareness. He's still aware of what he's experiencing. He's still living in the present moment and he can with practice, come back to his normal state. And with more and more practice, he can go back to that, you know, um, LSD state through meditation only. Whenever he wants to, he can experience a lot many things about this world just with the right kind of meditation. One thing I do... Um, I am getting just right now in my mind was that um, th there's this one thing that people don't know that, you know, different kinds of meditation lead them to different ends. Exactly. So, so, so there's one kind of meditation that would make you um, experience only happiness, like the art of living has, you know, the happiness uh, program they have. 
then then there's another kind of meditation that would help you experience something beyond life so, so the different kinds of meditation that have different purposes they serve and and they have different mantras that they're using and also because i mentioned mantras so i must also mention one more thing that nowadays many people are this is getting out of the context but i must must mention because i mentioned mantras so nowadays many people are you know making their own mantras and doing a uh, job for that uh, repeating that over and over again so affirmations fine but when you're using mantras for meditation i would highly not recommend to do that because when the mantras were initially made uh, as you see it in sanskrit it was made by people who were highly conscious already then they created those mantras in sanskrit and those words those sanskrit words have certain vibrations and those mm. vibrations are the ones that actually affect your wavelength and and change you inside out but when you create your own mantras using today's languages or uh, even even using the sanskrit or hindi language but you making your own mantras you do not know what combination of those words is leading to what wavelength what vibration and when you're repeating that every day you don't know where you will actually land up at the end so be very careful with you know just using the mantras that are already established have the results that has shown the results before and also exploring oneself researching a lot on the kinds of meditation i i will make sure i will uh, probably write about the kinds of meditation um somebody also asked me about it i just i'll do that i'll write about the kinds of meditation so that anybody who is interested i uh, uh, can go through it so so it's very important to understand that you're practicing the right thing and not just anything and of course lsd does give um good experience but it's addictive and uh, i think that you tell me Neil, i think that um overall if consumed um often or consistently maybe it has not such a good effect on health is it i don't think we know that yet but i wholeheartedly agree you will be the right one to tell me <laughs> i agree that it's not necessary using drugs if mm-hmm. one's willing to use meditation and and to have the right trainers what's happening in this country though the words mindfulness and meditation are everywhere and the teachers are someone that just started reading about it or writing about it or had a quick journey into that world what you're talking about makes so much so much sense but that's not what's happening for most of the people in this country united states of america trying to include that in and then they're wondering why it's not so effective but i think i think we 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 lack the the depth of people that have studied this for 30 years as opposed to people that have done it for a year and then are working with others um but why wouldn't that be the way of the future it is the safest the deepest way it is the way that's been going on forever um and wouldn't that be nice if that was part of every youngster's training from shortly after birth on so that that would be part of their normative way that humans learn and study and deepen who they are and get contact with their 
um, with their soul. I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't go any other way. And when you write that down, if you can send me a copy of what you're going to write down, I would love to use it in classes. Sure, sure. I'll do that. I'll send you the link once I've written it. It uh, should be on my blog. I'll do that. That'd be great. Okay, so... Um, and I would never... Last... Sorry, come again. If someone do any um, guided imagery every day, it's a matter of when there's something that they're stuck with, I bring that in, not, not, not to make it into a daily moment like, like, a, like, like, like a mantra. Um, <laughs> and my dream still is how to take people that never go to a place and give them a friendly enough hello that they're at least open to the possibility of, of the depth of the soul and the way that the personality can skillfully block that connection um, for a lifetime or many lifetimes. You are asking that you are telling that. <laughs> I, I guess both. For, I mean, for, for me, the idea is introducing people into the concept that you have a soul, that you have your, your, your personality that you think is your grounding point, and everyone thinks that's their only grounding point. And that is great when needed. However, there is a deeper grounding point that most humans are, don't even realize exists, and that's necessary for us to survive as a species. True. True. And I think I want people to understand at the very least, I've got a second grounding point. Um, I would like them to understand that cognitively in their left hemisphere and experientially in their right hemisphere so they can see that both the hemispheres can agree with that. And I will try all sorts of techniques and words and readings and exercises. And the, the intention is you've got a second grounding point. Say hello to your inner essence. Say hello to your sense of being. Say hello to your soul and make that into an internal organic grounding point that you are that all humans are born with i agree i agree i will also uh, i would like to mention here for the listeners that i will um share the link to neil's website and his videos in the description so do check them out and um so neil your last words for this uh, episode uh, anything that you want to tell to the youth like you have students right so maybe just just imagine that your students are listening to you right now what would you say to them two things having a conversation between myself and you has been um, excellent because it's great having people from two different disciplines with many decades of training and learning seeing how we're trying to get to the same place from different countries with different cultures in different ways, but nonetheless, how, how easily and often we agree on the fact that soul learning and soul living is not just a sweet idea, but it is necessary, it is vital, it is essential, it is where everything grows from if we are clever enough and, tr and learn enough to let that happen. So that's number one. And thank you. 100% agree and thanks to you too. The second one is starting in January or February, myself and a small group of people are going to be going into the world of TikTok because so many youngsters and teenagers are in that world. And we're oh. going to be basically doing two themes. And the first theme, and none of this is out there yet, but it will be in the next month or two. The first theme will be called College for Kids and All Humans. Are you interested? And it's basically looking at some basic skills that would be great for college, for, for young kids to get, you know, 7, 10, 12, 14, 15, who 
it would basically, again, it would be hello to different ways of looking at consciousness and opening and widening what consciousness is that most people believe in and making that a little more expanded. Um, and the names here would be Ever Flip Your Lid, which is one of the first videos we did, which is looking at how and why that happens and what to do with that moment in time. The second one would be um, um, mapping out our mind, so looking at the fact of how our mind works. And the third one would be the number one rule of healthy relationships, using our words, not as weapons, but as sources of health and healing. And I think those three would be the one, the first one, College for Kids. The other one for the older population would be called Modern Mystics in the Making, Are You Interested? For people that want to go, huh, mystical moments, am I mystically sensitive? Do I believe in mystical moments whatsoever? Do I live there? Um, and trying to give them a sense of um, language, wording, experiences to help that become more normalized. And again, having the mystical seem more normal would be great for most human beings on the planet because I think where children have that, humans don't know what to do with their mystical, spiritual, soul essence. They, they, they don't know how to incorporate that in the world. And wouldn't it be great if that was a normal part of the discussion? Yeah. Perfect. So that, that's where we're headed. That's perfect. It's perfect. So uh, if you have any links later on, then you can share those with me, and then I'll put those in the description as well. So. Much love your way. You've been a delight. You too. <laughs> it was really, really wonderful talking to you, Dr. Neil. And I look forward to more conversations with you. It's, uh, it's somewhere, I guess, that um, it fulfills my heart and, you know, brings peace to my mind, having such conversations on mind, soul, and mystical experiences and great to be talking to you specifically. You have such a vast experience and so much to learn from you. Thank you for being on the show. Karma is supreme. And we will be looking forward to more such conversations with you. To be continued. And I learned as much from you as you learned from me, I'm imagining, because it's been a sweet dialogue um, in, in so many ways. Thank you so much. Namaste, everyone. Namaste, everyone.